0: There was a woman in our church group whose adult-age son divorced, and then when he was about 40 years old, he remarried, and then he separated from that wife, and he wanted to find another wife. She directed him to the Bible, and he read a little bit of it, and he said, but Mother... The Bible is so legalistic. I was so grieved when she told me this story. I turned to God and just said, oh, this troubles me so much. I'm so grieved over what this young man said. A few hours later, the Holy Spirit reminded me of a scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 7. It's in verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And instantly, God said to me, the world wants freedom to sin, but you want freedom from sin. And the scriptures are freedom from sin when we do them. The world wants freedom to sin. They want to be approved in their sins. They want to go to church and have the church approve them in their sin But we who are of God want freedom from sin, and the scriptures, when we do them, are freedom from sin. I'm going to speak first about the subject of divorce and remarriage. In 1973, a young man lived in the same apartment building where I lived. He was about 10 years younger than I. He had been raised Catholic and was taught that he could not marry a divorced woman. During that time, he met a woman who was divorced and he was considering marrying her. But he didn't know whether or not he could do this because of the teaching that had been given at that time in the Catholic Church. So he was driving along the highway And he prayed, and he said to God, If I should marry Kathy, please have that car blink its lights. The car blinked its its lights, and he married the divorced woman. This is a very bad way to establish your doctrine. By the way, the Catholic Church, who once taught that doctrine has apparently changed from that doctrine. And unfortunately, the doctrine they were teaching was correct, but they changed to another form of doctrine. At least it's my understanding that they did. For Jesus explains to us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, the truth of the situation. We'll compare two scriptures which have to do with the subject of divorced women remarrying. Matthew chapter 5 verse 31. You have to prove everything by the scripture. You might go to your pastor and ask and get a totally wrong answer. Because many churches today have departed from scripture. And the only thing safe is scripture. At the judgment seat of Christ... We will each answer for our works, whether they be good or bad, and we will answer by Scripture, by have we done the Word of God, not by what our church taught us, but have we done the Word of God. The Holy Scriptures, the New Testament Bible, that is the only thing that is safe to follow. So we will try to establish today Scriptures concerning divorce and remarriage. Matthew chapter 31, chapter 5, I'm sorry, 31, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jewish men, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. So Jesus took this a step further with these Jewish men. They had been taught, if you want to divorce your wife, give her a bill of divorcement. Jesus is going to tell them something else. If you divorce a faithful wife, and she remarries, she will commit adultery, but you're going to be the cause of the adultery, and the man who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. So the Catholic Church at one time who taught this, had it right. I'm sure they weren't going to scripture if they had scripture strongly enough brought before the church at that time. I believe the church members would have uh, it would have reached them. But then they come along later and change the doctrine. And churches do that all the time, whether they're Catholics or Protestants. These churches are always changing the doctrine. Let me take you to something that Paul said in Acts chapter 20. Paul was getting ready to die, and he knew it. And he knew he would never see that church group again to whom he was speaking. I want you to listen carefully to what Paul said to them. Let's turn to that, please. It is Acts chapter 20. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Paul was telling them, I know after my death there are going to be wolves come into the church and set up their own doctrines in order to please men and draw men away to themselves. This perversion in the churches started at that point. When Paul died. For then the there was no one to correct them. Paul would never have allowed the perversions that we see in the churches today. He would never have permitted it. He would have established firm doctrine. Just as he did for us. Paul established firm doctrine for us. It's in the New Testament. All we have to do is look at the Bible at the New Testament on any subject. To see how God feels about it. On this subject of divorce and remarriage. That's exactly where you go to prove this situation. To see what you're to do. I know a woman who wanted to remarry after she was divorced. She went to a pastor and she took her fiance with her to see if she could remarry. I think she had been in the Baptist church and that she had heard a doctrine saying she couldn't remarry. So she went to this pastor and he said, well, my sister remarried. I think it's fine if you want to remarry after divorce. I don't think there's any problem. So she remarried. Years later, she was born again. And she read the Bible and found these scriptures concerning divorce and remarriage. And she saw that by remarrying, she committed adultery. And the man who married her committed adultery. And she was horrified and she was very angry with that pastor as she was telling me this story. But the Holy Spirit said something to me. He said to me, but wasn't she committing fornication? When she went to the pastor, weren't they already having sex, she and her fiancé? And I said to her, But when you and Edward went to the pastor to see if you could marry, weren't you already committing fornication? She grew dead silent, and then she said, Yes? Well, there's no reason to go to a pastor to see if you can remarry when you are already committing fornication. It's too late. If you were to take ten churches in your city where you live and go to ten pastors and ask them, as a divorced woman, can I remarry? or as a man, Can you remarry a divorced woman without committing adultery? I would venture to guess that 10 out of 10 would say you could remarry, completely denying every scripture and sending you, frankly, on a pathway to hell. I am not saying you will go to hell if you violate this scripture, but I'm just saying the pathway is going to bring a curse on you Because if you go in the way of God, you are going to be blessed. And if you go in a way not of God, you are going to curse yourself. You can call it bad luck. You can call it what you want to. But basically, it's blessings and cursings. Anytime we choose to go in the way of the scripture, we bless ourselves. And if we choose to go another way... We bring curses upon ourselves. This needs to be strong so we can actually get it. But you're going to find a very risky path if you go and ask pastors what to do. Because today so many churches and pastors have departed from the Bible in portions of the Bible and have gone another way. It is the great falling away that Paul said, had to come before Jesus returns. And the falling away was coming through the churches. Let's look at that scripture. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 started verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. In other words, Jesus won't return. The day of the Lord will not come unless there come a falling away first. This was going to happen in the churches. The falling away were churches falling away from Scripture. The falling away was not people leaving the churches. It's the churches were leaving the Scripture. And by leaving the Scripture, they opened the door for Antichrist to move in to the church. That's exactly what Paul says here. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed. He is revealed by the falling away because the scriptures were the only thing keeping him out of the churches. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth, and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The Antichrist was coming through the churches. Well, the Apostle John said in First John chapter 2, that there were already many antichrists in the church in the churches. That was in 1 John chapter two. We'll read that, verse eighteen. The apostle John said to the church, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard, that antichrist shall come. Even now there are many, many antichrists. Whereby we know it is the last time. Reading it once more. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists. Whereby we know that it is the last time. At the time John lived on the earth. There were already many Antichrists. They were the ones Paul talked about when he said they would come in and set up perversions, they were just waiting for the opportunity to set up perversions in the church, to make the church more popular, to bring more people to church. I went to a, a museum luncheon one time, and they assigned seats at the luncheon. Sitting next to me was a man who was wearing the largest cross around his neck that I have ever seen on a human being. He quickly identified himself as former pastor of the Indiana Street Baptist Church, and he began to talk about the church. And he said, oh, we have such a terrible problem at the church today. We have added on to the church, and we still don't have enough room to seat all the people that are coming to church. And we added on to it again and there's still more people coming and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and we just don't have enough places to seat the people. I spoke up and said to him, if you would teach what Jesus said, that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, about half of your congregation would get up and leave and you would have plenty of room to seat the people. He was aghast. I got up and fled because I wasn't going to sit in that place beside this man and have dinner. So I just left. But this is the truth. When you see all these people coming to church, what do you find? You find them saying, the man who marries the divorced woman commits adultery? Do you find them saying to the, Men, if you divorce a a faithful wife, you will be the cause of her adultery when she remarries. You won't see them teaching Matthew 5.32. That would offend people. You won't see them teaching things like homosexuality is a sin. Is homosexuality a sin? Absolutely. How do we know that? Romans chapter 1. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 1, verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, Burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Let's read that again for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. God gave them up, Romans chapter 1, verse 26. For this cause God gave them up. Yes, homosexuality is a sin in the sight of God and so is lesbianism. It's a sin in the sight of God. Can they be saved? Absolutely. It's the same thing as an adulteress being saved or a drunkard being saved or a fornicator being saved. Once you see the scripture and agree with the scripture, you are born again. Now you are not born again to continue in the sin. Jesus cleanses us from our sin. But what did he say to the woman taken in adultery in John 8? What did Jesus say to her? Go and sin no more. You can't continue to be a prostitute after you are enlightened to the fact that it is evil. So, Yes, a homosexual can be saved, but he's not going to be able to continue in homosexuality. Yes, an adulteress can be saved. Yes, a drunkard can be saved. But we cannot continue in the sin we were once committing. And if we're born again, we don't want to. We all sinned before we were born again. Do you really want to do those things that you did before you were born again? I certainly don't. God showed me one time that the difference basically between the world and the the real Christians is this. The world wants to continue in sin and be approved in their sin. They want to go to church and have people say to them, oh, it's fine for you to to have sex with that woman without being married. Oh, it's fine for you to be a homosexual and have a male partner if you're a male. That's what they want to hear. They want to be approved in the sin, but we who belong to God want freedom from the sin. And that's a difference. And we can have freedom from that sin. We can have freedom from the temptation for the, this way. When the temptation arises... We who do not want to sin say, Oh, God, help me. Help me not to do that. Help me not to say that. Sometimes you want to tell somebody off. Just really get at them. And I have found every time that I feel that way, I can pray and say, God, please help me not say that. And he stops me from saying it. If you want to be free from sin, you can be free from sin. If you are born again and you want to be free from sin, all you have to do is turn to God in the midst of the temptation and pray. Even as the temptation standing there in front of you, you say, God, please help me not to do this. Please help me not to say this. If you want to be free, you can be free. But the problem is, a great many times we don't want to be free and then you go right into the temptation because he'll let you do it if you want to. Homosexuals sometimes say they were born as a homosexual. The thing God called my attention to is this. It's in Mark chapter 10. In the beginning, God created them male and female. You're either a male or a female when you are born. You turn into a homosexual or a lesbian perhaps because you've been rejected by the other sex and it's too hard to face the rejection. That's one very strong reason. But regardless of the reason, homosexuality is a sin. There's a place where Paul said, those effeminate people will not receive the kingdom of heaven. I will show that to you right now. It's in Galatians chapter 5. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. I apologize because Galatians chapter 5 is the works of the flesh, and we can see it from that, but the one I really want you to see is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting at verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. What does that mean, nor effeminate? It's got to mean homosexuals. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you practice these things and do these things. If you repent of these things and are born again and you see it's a sin and you go another way, this is the story of our lives. Every one of us who are born again saw that we were committing sin And we were born again and turned from those sins. That's what being born again is. We are born again by the Spirit of God and created into new creatures who don't want to do those old sins. For the ways of those old sins are death. And Paul says you won't inherit the kingdom of God if you're going to do these things. So we know homosexuality along with adultery, fornication, it will keep you from inheriting the kingdom of God. You repent from it, and you don't do that anymore. Reading once again, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And this is true. We don't do those things today after we're born again that we did before we were born again. And if you are doing those things... You better look rather closely at these scriptures because you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you're out there committing adultery. You are not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you are a homosexual or lesbian. You will inherit the kingdom of God if you repent from those sins and refuse to do them any longer and focus on these scriptures and go that way. We were talking about churches getting big People believe you when you speak these things from the Bible. And many churches want all those people coming to them because it is a sense of pride. If I can tell you a million people listen to this broadcast, it makes me seem great. If you want to seem great, you don't speak the gospel. What you speak, if you want to seem great, are clever sayings. Now the apostle said he just determined he wasn't going to do that if we will look at second corinthians chapter 2 we'll see this excuse me first corinthians chapter 2 god took me to this 40 years ago to show me don't try to be clever with the church don't entice them with clever stories rather just speak what i bring to your mind by the holy spirit everything that i've broadcast today is because the Holy Spirit reminded me of it. I didn't have any plans when I started talking. I was just allowed God by the Holy Spirit to speak to you through me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And this is what God used to teach me. Don't be concerned with cleverness and things like that. You speak what I bring to your mind by my spirit at that moment when you're speaking and the work of God will be done. Whether they run away from you or whether they come to God and repent, the work will be done. This is Joan Boney speaking and I Urge you again to go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Click on Podcast, which is on the right-hand side of the page, home page. It will bring up all the podcasts which I've recorded. Every one of these podcasts have every scripture that I have spoken for that podcast printed out for you. So you can copy these scriptures for yourself and... Look upon them and think upon them day and night and move in the way of God. For this is the way of God for us, the church. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you.